When I ponder this feast of the ascension of our Lord, a couple of images come to mind. It is both a threshold and a bridge in this great season of Easter time. It acts as a liturgical doorway to the Feast of Pentecost, which we mark next Sunday. That time that we speak of the beginnings of the Church. And coming seven weeks after Easter, it also is a kind of climax, a sort of pinnacle of those post-Easter stories and teachings that are recorded in the Gospels, those that Jesus leaves with the disciples in preparation for their empowerment by the Spirit to be witnesses into the whole world. Theologians and scripture scholars would tell us that the resurrection of Christ, his ascension, and the sending of the Spirit are sort of one great event. But the liturgical tradition of our faith has given us three great feasts to mark that incredible, remarkable mystery of Jesus Christ. And so this feast that is that threshold is also the bridge, the bridge that the disciples and we must cross over, realizing that the earthly companionship that the disciples had with Jesus has changed to a new kind of presence for them, one that does not allow them to stand around simply looking up into the heavens. Instead, they are to engage in a multitude of ministries that will shape the reign of God on earth. We might imagine Jesus' last words to them being simply, get on with it. Just go. There is a stunning medieval altar screen in the Chartres Cathedral, consisting of several panels that portrayed the life of Christ. And the very last panel is a scene of the disciples sitting around a table and looking up at the ceiling. And dangling from the ceiling is a pair of feet. Jesus was just leaving. The rather obvious, literal depiction of this, however, shows something else. That Jesus is returning to the Father. And it shows the dramatic departure, the separation that the disciples must have felt as Jesus returns as he promised to the Father. And at the same time, it underlines the place that God had in all of Jesus' life, in his ministry, in his teaching. It is God 
who initiated the act of salvation, and it's God who brings it to fruition by lifting Christ back into God's presence. As Jesus pointed out so often in his life, he did not do what he did on his own or speak his own teaching. What he taught and what he did came from the Father. What does this mean for us? It means, I believe, that we, like the disciples were, we are left to continue the mission of the risen Christ. The question put to the disciples in that first reading is meant to disturb us, to put our ministerial bodies into gear. Why are you looking idly at the heavens? People of Galilee, why are you standing there? Jesus' followers, obviously, we're not supposed to stand around and look wistfully up into the heavens, wondering what just happened or what to do next. The world around them and us awaits the saving love of God. And this saving love of God is destined to make a remarkable vision of one people forged from many nations. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, urges the followers of the risen Christ to bear with one another through love, striving to preserve the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. One body, one Spirit, as you were also called to the one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. This is a serious and challenging vision, one that we know even in these days is often elusive. The pandemic, for example, has laid bare the inequities of resources between those who have and sometimes have too much, and those who do not have hardly anything at all. The current hostilities in the Middle East are examples that ethnic, cultural, and religious boundaries are almost insurmountable barriers to harmony, let alone to peaceful coexistence. Can the spirit of the risen and ascended Christ overcome these and so many other boundaries? Can the spirit of the risen and ascended Christ shape our witness and restore our courage and our enthusiasm for this bold vision that Christ sets before us? We are the new body of Christ. The mission that Jesus gave the first disciples is our mission. We need to believe in his trust and trust in his promise. This means, of course, 
that we cannot stay gathered in a room or huddled on top of a hill somewhere wondering what to do, where to go or what to say. We cannot even stay in our personal spaces. We are sent out to celebrate the liturgy of the neighbor, to be, as Pope Francis said, not only disciples, but missionary disciples. The work of the gospel is never finished. And Jesus has left each and all of us to continue his amazing ministry, a ministry that is as important and as particular as each one of us, a ministry rooted in the saving love of God. In the new body of Christ, us. The work of healing and comforting, of forgiveness and inclusion, of justice and compassion continues through our words and our works. We have heard much of the phrase shelter in place during these months of the pandemic. And that continues to be good advice. But we know when it is possible, it cannot be our permanent posture. Building bridges, not just liturgical moments, but building real connections instead of barriers, seeking, seeking reconciliation more than confrontation, welcoming those on the periphery of society rather than ignoring them. This is the manner of life for those who would be disciples. Just get on with it. <laughs>